Hey guys, welcome to the Fight Club Podcast. We exist to help men fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Today I want to talk to you about pursuing contentment, and this will be part one of this study. In 2006, a movie came out that I really enjoyed called The Pursuit of Happiness, starring Will Smith and his son, and it's, it was based on a real story, um, a really neat, interesting story, a rags-to-riches type of, of a deal, and uh, it was about a man named Chris Gardner, and it's a great story, a great movie. There's a lot of great you know, lessons, life lessons that can be found in it. But I do have one issue with the movie, and that is that it the movie or the story equates happiness with money. So basically, the guy was happy in the end because he became a successful businessman. I think he even became a millionaire. I'm not sure. And it's, you know, the reality is we all need money. We have to work. We need money to survive in today's world and today's economy, but, you know, we, we should not make the pursuit of money our ultimate pursuit, and, and it, we should not equate money and stuff with happiness, and that is one of the, you know, biggest lies, I think, that our world teaches us, not just today, but throughout history. This has been something that mankind has struggled with. So instead of pursuing happiness, because that's a slippery slope, I want to talk to you about pursuing contentment. Contentment can be defined as an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. So let me break that down for you. First, it says it defines it as internal satisfaction. That means that your heart is satisfied. That means if you are if your heart is satisfied, you're no longer wanting, you're no longer searching, you're no longer hunting for the next thrill, the next thing. This is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ. True long-term contentment can only be found through faith in Jesus. Um, the other part of this definition is that it does not demand external changes. So we, we often, to make ourselves happy, what do we do? We look outside of ourselves to find satisfaction. And this is a very uh, slippery slope, isn't it? We often, at least in my life, <laughs> I have made a lot of mistakes when I start demanding external changes, when I look to fix life and my lack of happiness by changing my surroundings. Here's the thing, and I've had to learn this the hard way, and this is what I wanna try to help you guys, that changing the scenery does not change the heart. Changing the scenery also does not defeat sin. Um, and, and so we're often saying these things in our heads. We may not say them out loud, but we think this way. If I can only get a different job, life will be good. If I can only live somewhere else, I'll be happy. If I can only have the nicer car, then I'll chill out and relax. 
If I can only get a bigger house with more land, if I can only get that college degree, if I can only get married, if I can only have kids. And so on and on and on it goes of these thrills that we're chasing in life, these bars. Um, But here's the lie. Here's the reality. None of those things can satisfy our hearts. And so what happens? We just drag our unsatisfied heart around with us because we're looking in the wrong place. And so you go and you get that next thing. And then what happens? Your heart, you never really address address the internal issue. And so that same day you catch your prize, that very same day, the very next second, your heart is already looking for the next prize because you you didn't catch the wrong the right prize, and you know look at over look at what happened has happened over the years, cars and houses cars have gotten bigger and faster and more expensive houses keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, the bar is constantly moving. I want to read to you today from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. The name of this uh, passage is the parable of the rich fool. And (laughs) I think the the funny thing about this is none of us think we're the rich fool. But uh, if we, we do have a few folks that are listening from other countries, but you know, if you're, if you're living in, in the Western world, you know, um, United States, you, you know, you, chances are this is you. So, so really try to reflect as I read this, this passage. This is, this is Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And Jesus said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years now. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That is, uh, you know, I don't think about that parable very often, but it's a pretty powerful one. Um, you know, basically he's saying, be on your guard against covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's um, verse 15. I think that's like the main theme of the verse. 
look, if you think about this, money's not mentioned. Money is not the problem here. Hoarding too much stuff, it, there was never enough for this guy, right? And, and it's funny, if you notice, he, he talks to himself. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I do that. Maybe if we don't do it out loud, we, we, we talk to ourselves in our heads if we don't do it out loud. Some of us are crazy enough to do it out loud. <laughs> um, but his first thought was, I need more space because I have too much stuff. And I think there the trap has been set. What could he have thought instead? He could have thought, I don't need all of this stuff. Maybe I should give it away. Um, we often wish, you know, we, at least in my life, my wife and I find ourselves thinking, man, we wish we had a basement for more storage. Or I've often thought about building a big shed out back for more storage so we can put our stuff in there. You know, and, and you know, maybe someday we'll do that. We might get a shed out back. There, there's there, potentially nothing wrong with that. But, but my point is, where does this end? When is it enough? And, and have, we, have we gone too far? I'll answer that question in a minute. But the guy talks to himself again, and it, it's interesting how it words it. It says, he said to his soul, he speaks to his soul. So he's talking to his heart, right? That's where satisfaction takes place or doesn't take place. And he says to his soul, I now have enough for a secure future so I can finally relax and enjoy life. Right? I can drink and be merry because I now have enough. But this is the this is this is the, the powerful lie that we tell ourselves. Because look at how that's worded. That's him dreaming in the future. One day I will get to tell myself that. But he never actually gets to tell himself that. That's the lie. That's the trap. That's the treadmill of you're constantly going, but you're not getting there. And so this guy, he imagines that one day in the future, he will be able to say this to himself. But what's the problem with that? The bar is always moving. Once we go down that path and we end up in that pattern of thinking, we never actually get there. We never arrive. And so he's lying to himself is what he's doing. But God also speaks to this guy, doesn't he? God comes in at the very end and he speaks to this guy because it's the end of his life and he never got, he never arrived. He never got satisfaction. He never got all of his stuff. What does God say to this guy? He called him a fool. And he basically says to the guy, you have lived for stuff and there's so much more to life than having more stuff. There is greater treasure to be found than material treasure. Jesus ends this passage with an interesting phrase and he talks about, and it's part of God's message, being rich toward God. What does that even mean? Have you ever thought about that? What does that even mean to be rich towards God? Think about making an investment in stock. 
and, and I think a, the stock exchange is, is a good relevance to this because that's, that's a lot of times the point when we're, we're obsessed with investing in our stock so that we can build up more storage and, and having more. <clears throat> and so it's this idea, if you put a certain amount in, you hope to get a big return on that investment. Okay, let's transfer that towards God. Now, salvation is a free gift from God. We can only have be saved from sin and from death and from evil by receiving God's gift of salvation through faith. We can't earn it. We can't in, invest enough in God to get salvation. It's a gift. But here's the thing. Post-conversion, after the moment of conversion and salvation, what takes place from that point on? Even as a saved person, we still have to decide what to do with our lives. And the, the idea here is that the more that we turn to God and seek God, the richer we will be in God. Really, this is a call to pursue God, not contentment. And so we're not to chase after more stuff. We're not even to chase after contentment. We really should be making God our ultimate pursuit. That is the remedy to all of life's problems. If you struggle with lust, pursue God. If you struggle with greed and overspending and overworking, pursue God. Don't focus on not doing certain things. Don't focus on not doing that sin that you deal with. Focus on pursuing God. There is so much power in that. And so <clears throat> it's interesting. If you look at the very next passage, um, it's the one when Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Isn't it interesting that that follows this passage on um satisfaction and it talks about chasing the wrong thing and then it comes to 12 verse 31 and it says instead seek God's kingdom and these things will be added to you people who hoard too much stuff are anxious people and so the question is how much is too much uh, think about a car whose wheels are out of alignment and if your car is out of alignment, it, it often it will pull to the right or it will pull to the left. And it's hard to keep your car when it's really out of alignment going straight down the correct path. This is what our hearts do. That our hearts do the same thing. Our hearts get out of alignment because we're pursuing the wrong thing. And so here are four habits that indicate that your heart is out of alignment. You are working more to have more. So you keep basically trying to find ways to make more money so that you can keep up a certain lifestyle. Okay, that, that is a slippery slope. The other habit that indicates that your heart is out of alignment is that you are financing everything. And what does that lead to? Basically working more because you're in debt up to your eyeballs. And so you have to go find more jobs or, or 
thinking about ways to make more money constantly. It is a slippery, it's not a slippery slope, it's a vicious cycle is what it is. Um, another habit that indicates that your heart is out of alignment is that you are constantly thinking about buying something. You're constantly strolling Amazon or you're, you're, you're Googling that thing that you want and you're looking at commercials and you're in, in, in researching, you know, what that thing is. Um, another habit is that indicates that your heart is out of alignment is that you're constantly looking for the next thrill. Um, this could be concerts or vacations or furniture or entertainment things that whatever it is, um, pornography, that's what, that's, that's what happens with that. So the, it, these things indicate that our heart is out of alignment. So here's a couple of practical things to do. Um, when you are tempted to think that way, to work, you're working more to have more, you're finance everything, you're constantly thinking about buying stuff, you're constantly looking for the next thrill. When you are tempted to do that, make your trigger reaction to praise God for the blessings you already have. Um, when you are tempted to hunt and search and seek for the wrong thing. Even go so far as to write a list of your blessings down on paper. Maybe even keep them on your phone. Um, but if you write them down on paper, keep them in your pocket. Put them up on your mirror. Hang them on your fridge. Put them in your car so that you have access to them. Um, and, and make that list. Um, use that list as a tool to help you to pursue God to kind of jolt your heart back to God instead of more stuff. And, and when we can train our hearts and our minds to do this, that is the path to finding a soul that is satisfied regardless of circumstances. Thanks for listening. I'll do part two 